two, one. Let's go. It's time to dad up. Welcome to the Dad Up Podcast. The podcast for dads, about dads being dads. Get ready for exciting guests talking about their experiences of parenting, the good and the not so good. Bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode and let's get started. Here is your host, Brian Ward. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you very much for joining and listening in. My guest today is a best-selling author. He's a he's a well sought after keynote speaker. He's a life and business coach. He even has his own podcast called Rise Together Podcast. I'm super excited that he has agreed to join me today. My good friend Dave Hollis, welcome to the show, brother. Ah, uh, Brian, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here today. Um, if you could, for my listeners, who may not know exactly who you are, uh, give me a little bit of backstory on Dave because. Uh, you know, I don't know everything about you, and uh, I know my listener would love to learn a little bit more about you. So tell me the backstory on Dave, and then obviously this is a dad podcast, so a little bit about your kids as well. Right on. Uh, so as you say, I am a father, uh, dad of four rad kids, uh, former foster parent to four kiddos as well. I am a New York Times bestselling author, a coach, host that podcast you mentioned, a speaker. I am into fitness and running and consider myself an ally to Anyone who doesn't have the uh, benefit of a pod, a, a platform or a voice, uh, you know, for any part of the world. I, in terms of parenting, have uh, a almost 15-year-old son, 13, nine-year-old uh, boy, and also a four-year-old daughter. And uh, we live in uh, a little town just outside of Austin, Texas, where three years ago we moved from having previously lived in Los Angeles. I grew up in business working inside the entertainment sector. So uh, I worked at the Walt Disney Company for 17 years, the last seven of which I was the head of sales for the film studio. Prior to that, I worked as a, a talent manager in film, TV and music, publicity jobs, research jobs, technology jobs, all in the entertainment sector. And uh, and then I made a move, uh, leaving entertainment you know, properly for more of an entrepreneurial startup opportunity working in a business that was all about putting tools in the hands of humans that might afford them the opportunity for walking closer, stepping closer to their calling and leading a, a more exceptional life. And I do that now through the things that I create, whether it's the books or the podcasts, or the coaching, people with what might afford them this opportunity to honor the intention of their create and, uh, and live something of what feels like a more fulfilled life. Right. Now, what, what called you to, to kind of make that switch from kind of going the corporate world of Walt Disney to, to kind of doing this coaching on your own? Well, I found myself, I mean, like it all started, if, uh, if I kind of like pinpoint a time, there was a time when I was sitting in my backyard with my kids. I had accomplished many of the things that had previously been on my list of things to accomplish in terms of title and uh, in terms of how to provide for my family with uh, a compensation, status, whatever else it might be. And, and I didn't feel the things that I thought I would feel having hit some of those milestones that I'd set for myself. And mm. one of my kids asked this very, very simple question in the hot tub, and that was, what are you most afraid of in your life? He was, you know, like think searching for tarantulas or scorpions and out of my mouth fell not living up to my potential. Mm. And what was interesting is that in the midst of my leading the sales team at the Walt Disney company, where I'm putting movies into theaters and I'm working 
with just the most extraordinary intellectual property and filmmakers of all time in Marvel, Lucas, Pixar, and Disney, I wasn't having to study and was still getting straight A grades on my tests, right? Like I was hitting great bonuses. We were setting every single record in the history of box office. And as much as it was great to take those victory laps, because it didn't require a ton of the gifts that had been afforded to me, it felt like I was living into my greatest fear of not using all of my potential. And so as I was like in this weird 30s to 40s bridge, midlife moment, call it crisis, if you will, I was in a hunt for how I might feel a sense of fulfillment in a world where I had what I thought was going to make me happy and I was not. And so the decision to, as I can see now in the rears, leave my career for my calling, I had to understand this connection that existed between comfort and fulfillment. And the reality was I was staying super connected to things that I was comfortable with at the expense of growth. Right. And what I came to find is that if I was not growing, I was in fact dying. And in a dying state, there was no way I could actually connect to that sense of fulfillment. So I jumped away from a thing that was otherwise safe, otherwise secure, otherwise, you know, like according to society or anyone in my circle, the thing I ought to do for the rest of my life and decided to go pursue something that was more connected to impact, something that felt more connected to how I might best exploit the gifts that I had been given in like this idea. I've really been connected in this last three years to this idea of like, how do I honor the intention of my creator? And I think for anyone who's listening, each of us was created with this like very meticulous design, very intentional, deliberate design. And the more that we can step closer to fulfilling something in our life that feels like it honors the intention of our creator, the better chance we have at feeling a sense of fulfillment. And so working inside of personal development, affording people resources and tools that might have, you know, helped them in some way that like impact piece was important, but also diving into my own personal passions and, and working inside of spaces where I had competency felt like, yeah, as much as there was challenge, something that was ultimately having me grow and in that growth, developing and creating something in the world of fulfillment. That's, that's amazing. And, you know, it's interesting that your, that your, your own child asked you that question and it kind of brought you to uh, where you are today to be truthful. I mean, you, you took a risk and a lot of people don't understand that, you know, in order for us to be successful at anything we do in life, we, there are, we have to be willing to take risks. And you were at a point in your life where you were settling and you, you realized it. And so you took that risk. And that's an important lesson to teach our kids about take, having a, taking the risk, it's something that not making sure that they're doing things that are legal, ethical, and moral, uh, and at the same time, not taking a risk to where they're going to put their lives in danger, but taking risks in order to achieve things is such a valuable lesson. Uh, do you think that your kids picked up on that in, in this transition that you took from going to this very comfortable lifestyle of this corporate world to kind of going on your own. Do you think your kids kind of picked up on that, that, that it's okay to take risks? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is I think part of the storytelling <laughs> that I've been able to walk them through in the aftermath of these decisions is that the risk was actually would have actually been choosing to stay inside of something I was comfortable with at the expense of becoming the person I was placed on this planet to be. And so the, 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 I think there's something just innate in 
our humanity that convinces us that staying with the knowns or working inside of what I've described as kind of like the safe harbor is something that is predictable and that if we can just control enough of the variables and check enough of the boxes that we can be okay with being okay. And the reality is like I was choosing for probably two years longer than I should have to stay inside of suffering that I was familiar with because the possibility of pursuing something in that world of the unknowns was scary. And I didn't like having to face the fear of what people might think for me deciding to leave a job that most people wouldn't. And they're, you know, questioning my motives or criticizing my choices. That was, you know, something that just kept me from making a move. The fear of being exposed for not actually being qualified or having enough experience to do some of the things that I'm now currently doing, like being a first time author or coaching for the first time or operating a podcast for the first time. Like these were things that I had a, had a sense and intuition that, man, these are things that I believe I was placed on this planet to do, but because I hadn't previously done them, it was unnerving. It was, it, 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 you know, took something of, my insecurities and pushing past them to be able to walk toward that space. I had this, uh, I had this actually like really, I would call it almost like a godlike experience, uh, mm-hmm. a, a God moment in that I, in the midst of trying to make some decisions about what I wanted to do next, found myself sat on a plane next to Dan Rather. Really? And as it turns out, right, like this is how big of a nerd I was growing up, but Dan Rather was my childhood hero. I mean, I, I thought that, of the things that I might want to go and pursue that getting into reporting and storytelling and being someone who might be able to uh, afford people information through that kind of storytelling was something that, man, I think I've been given some gifts in this space. This is where my personal passion is tickled. I, I, I really thought that I would end up in news. And I had a moment at the very beginning of my transition into adulthood where I was doing a little reporting at the college TV station. I was a DJ for a second And then I transitioned into a corporate track that was beautiful and great. And I learned so much, but I was now disconnected from that thing that my 18, 19 year old self had so much passion for. Mm -hmm. And here then fast forward, right? Like I'm 42, 43, I sit down on this plane and there he is, this man who 25 years earlier was the person who I'd hoped to become. And the beauty in that moment was that being brought back to a reminder of where my passions existed, like who I wanted to become before I became who I'd become was such an important moment to give permission almost to pursue some of this stuff, even if, and because I wasn't going to be great at it at the beginning, it didn't matter because having an ability to connect to that passion and figuring out how to make it work, even though it was going to be uncomfortable and there'd be learning and I'd have to process failure and all the rest of it. Um, there was just beauty in that in a way that I hadn't connected to inside of my corporate track of the titles or the success that was happening inside of that world. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, that's a great story, too. And I'm sure you probably uh, uh, got a chance to uh, speak to him a little bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a uh, maybe a three hour flight. And as much as I'm usually not the human who is interested in conversation, this was one that I would not pass up. And we ended up having a good two hour talk about kind of all of it, but like 
his perspective on media and his perspective on reporting and just like what kind of credible sources means in, in the 2020s and all of it was interesting. But then separately, I ended up actually getting into a little bit of a conversation of this reality that my younger self had this vision of who I'd become and that he was very much a symbol of it. And he, and he even just, he had like this, stately perspective of someone who's experienced everything there was a little bit of this if this is the thing then pursue the thing and it, mm-hmm. it was just a it was a moment where i'm like oh my goodness i'm so grateful that i might have been afforded the benefit of this call it serendipity or providence to have this person that i've looked up to for so long say come on let's go yeah yeah that's awesome what a great what a great great story so thank you for sharing that of course um kind of diving into you know your fatherhood role now i mean You've got four kids that are kind of on the spectrum of ages, you know, 15 to four. That's a, that's a quite a large spectrum uh, that you're kind of dealing with. What, what is, what does fatherhood mean to Dave Hollis? Well, in a single word, fatherhood is legacy, right? Like the way that I hope to be remembered when it comes to my impact on this planet will in so many ways be a reflection of the contributions that my children end up making and hopefully some correlation between how I showed up was presence, encouraging a model for the kind of adults I'd hope that they might become and the way that they actually become that kind of an adult. So mm-hmm. um, legacy is the first thing that kind of comes to mind. What's interesting is like if I made a mistake in what I thought parenthood or fatherhood was going to be like prior to becoming a father, I thought that you just kind of utilitarian had a a one size fits all approach to parenting, that the way I parented child one is the same way I'd parent child two. And um, what I've found is that it's just the furthest thing from the truth, at least in, (laughs) in, in my, my interest in having a rich, deep, meaningful kind of relationship the kind of dad that my oldest son needs is different than that, that my middle son, that my youngest son, and certainly that my daughter end up meeting. And so meeting my kids in a space that suggests that they are seen, that they are celebrated, that I am appreciative of the way that they need to receive love, of the way that they want to spend time, has been such an important thing. Because when I'm able to have one-on-one time with my kids, the things that I'm doing with each of them are just wildly different because it's a reflection of each of the intricate differences of, you know, of, of them each. And so I don't know, like that has maybe been the most important thing for me to take away. And if anyone's listening, who's just entering into fatherhood or parenthood, uh, I would encourage you, you know, to, to open yourself up to the reality that your kids are inevitably going to likely need something different each of them because of the way that they're each individually wired. One other thing that I would say too, you didn't ask this question, but I'm just going to keep answering as if if you did. But one of the things that I think too, that I probably came into fatherhood thinking, and and it took a little while for me to kind of reconcile this as being an okay thing. I was raised by an amazing dad. My parents still married almost 50 years now of of marriage and, um, and they were great parents And I think when I came into being a dad, that there was this thought that if I didn't parent the way that my dad parented me, that in some ways I was not being respectful of or having reverence for 
the way that he did it having been right or, or, or being right for my family. Mm-hmm. And it took a long time for me to appreciate that, you know, I was raised born in 75. Like I was raised in that like 75 to 90 frame inside of his house that was specific to my parents' values, specific to the time generationally, specific to the neighborhood that we were raised in and the things that worked then some of them carry and have application in Austin, Texas in 2020, and some of them don't. And just because they don't, it doesn't mean that the things that worked then aren't things that I can still respect and honor. It's an okay thing to respect your family of origin, the way that you had. And by the way, some of you um, that are listening, I'm sure didn't have dads that were great. And so right. the, like the, the question of whether there can be any good that could have come from a less than ideal father as you were growing up, I think you can take the good from either situation. You can let go of the things that don't necessarily serve or have alignment with the values that you might have as a father or in a relationship as a couple and be comfortable holding space for both, right? And that's, right. A, that's a thing that I didn't have a, a perspective on when I first became a dad. All right. So I'm going <clears> to <throat> unpack a lot of stuff that you talked about there, but it's funny that you talk about the, the things that you've taken from your parents uh, and, and uh, the fact that they've been together for so long is amazing and that you, you acknowledge that they did they did the best that they could and they were amazing parents. But it's interesting. I did have a question about the lessons you kind of took from your parents and how you've incorporated them as a dad today. So you kind of pretty much already already answered that question. I hadn't even got to it yet. So you're reading my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did want to go back to you. You know, the first thing you talked about, about fatherhood and what it means to you, you're talking about legacy. And it's so important for uh, not, not only parents, but for dads to really understand that, you know, a lot of these dads, dads carry, it's one of the reasons why I do the show. A lot of dads carry this kind of this weight on the shoulders. I've got to be the provider for the family. That means I've got to be gone. I've got to work these 80 hour weeks in order to do the best that I can to provide for my family. And at the same time, they're missing out on all these important memories with their kids, you know, various functions, sporting events, school functions, things like that, because they feel like they have to be out doing, making things happen financially. But, but I try to teach my dads, listen, your legacy isn't, you're trying to build that legacy outside the home. Your legacy really begins inside your home. Your legacy is built in your home. That's where the true legacy happens. Um, so I'm glad that you touched on that and completely makes sense. And you're right. One size doesn't fit all for, for our kids. Our kids are, are different human beings. They're different, different. They're made up of different, different components that make the personality and the character that they, they are and become. Um, obviously, you can help mold and guide and, and shape them, but they have different personalities. My, I have two boys. They're a bit older than yours. One, my oldest is 22. My youngest is 19. But even you know, just being a couple years apart, they are best friends. But they are so different in their personalities, how they handle things, how they respond to things, challenges that come up, um, joys that they have in their life, how they respond to those things. They're complete, complete opposites. And I love that because it allows me as a parent to grow with them and kind of learn and adapt with who they are. And you have to incorporate that as a parent. You have to be able to adapt to your each each year of children. So you with four, uh, I mean, you've got you've got obviously quite a handful there of different personalities that you're dealing with. Um, but it's so important. Legacy, one size fits all. You hit it right on the head. And um, so I appreciate you sharing that. Now, right. On, I mean, like what's interesting, just to like <clears throat> tap on the point of anyone who feels when it comes to the responsibility in parenting, the like provision, I mean, provision is such an important and big motivator and has been for so much of my life. But I also have tried to connect to, and this may sound a little like crazy, but go with me for a second. Mm-hmm. 
my 60th birthday dinner, my 65th birthday dinner, like a birthday dinner in the future that my adult children will be invited to. Right. And like I use this visualization for a couple of reasons. One, I believe this dinner will go one of two ways. And I am in control with my daily actions, the way that I stay connected to my habits and control my coping mechanisms, all of it, right? If I want to have the kind of dinner that I imagine at 60, where there is a toast, we are going around the room, and there is not a dry eye in the room as people are just weeping about the impact that I've had on my on their life, the, mm. the way that my modeling how to show up well for yourself and those that you love has afforded them an opportunity to know how to do that in their own world for those that they care about in themselves. And there's the other side of that dinner, the way that it could go if I don't show up the way that I'd hope to. And that is not all of my adult children RSVP to the dinner. Those that do mm-hmm. don't have as many things to say as they're raising their glass because there isn't as much to be proud of. And so when I think about that, Right. It's not just, oh, I got to make sure I'm getting out of my own way and showing up well for myself. It's also what are the things when I think about legacy that I want them to raise that glass for 15 years from now, 20 years Mm. from now. And so that that kind of like balancing act then becomes, yep. I want to model what it means to have big dreams and chase big dreams and show them that they can, as they have them and put in hard work, accomplish what they'd like in life. And also, I don't want that to happen at the expense of connection and conversation and presence and my ability to be a baseball coach or my, you know, being able to be there for the things that show up that uh, aren't as ideal on hard days. And so those are the kind of things I would ask anyone who's listening to just be considerate of when you think about a dinner 20, 25 years from now, where your then adult children are going to be there representing what they have pride for in the way that you've shown up as a dad. Are they going to talk about how much money you made to afford them right provision, which Hey, you got to satisfy basic needs. This isn't about like making sure you can pay rent and have heat. This is like beyond a certain point after you've created a a, a checked box and basic provision is the pursuit, the hustle, the game, something that starts to compromise the way that they might feel seen, celebrated and connected to you as their parents. And if the answer ends up being that, man, sometimes it's starting to get in the way. That maybe ends up being a wake up, a moment where you can say, okay, I've got to focus a little bit more on my lifestyle interests over my provision interests. And like, what kind of, what what way do you want to try and feel the day, experience the day and be present in a conversation with, or, or in the lives of, of your kids? Mm, That's awesome. Um, I love it. Thank you very much uh, for sharing that. And, um, you know, I know we've gone a little bit long and uh, this conversation we could carry on for another couple hours easily, but um, I wanted to do this. First of all, I just wanted to um, give you an opportunity to tell my listeners where they can find you, where they can learn a little bit more about you, um, whether it's the books, the podcast, you know, website, any of that stuff. Um, so please uh, let my listeners know where they can uh, find you. Right on. A ton of time on Instagram. Mr. Dave Hollis is my handle. I've got a handle on, uh, on Facebook too, Dave Hollis. My website is mrdavehollis.com. 
And there you can find anything and everything about my books. I've got a, an upcoming book called Built Through Courage that I'm excited about. There's coaching. There's a bunch of inspirational, motivational stuff that lives on, on, on the site. So check out the site or follow me on Instagram. And uh, if you're looking for another podcast to listen to, Rise Together, as you mentioned, is my every Thursday podcast. I'd love to have you come into that community as well. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, now, Built Through Courage, when's that coming out? It comes out October 26th. So there's a bunch of awesome uh, incentives to thank anyone who pre-orders uh, the book ahead of time. So if you go to MrDaveHollis.com, you can get a, a couple of great courses. There's a big challenge that we're doing, a ton of giveaways. Um, all the details are there. Awesome. Very cool. Well, listen, Dave, it has been a huge pleasure of mine to have you on. I'm very excited for um, not only what you're doing and the, and the changes and the things that you're going through in your life right now and the, and the impact that you're making, but also for our friendship. I'm glad that we've gotten to know each other a little bit, and I'm looking forward to growing that friendship with you. So thank you very much, Dave, for joining me on Dad Up. You certainly represent the Dad Up tribe uh, very well, and uh, I appreciate you being here, brother. Right on, Brian. It's my pleasure. I appreciate it. I look forward to all the good we'll do in the future together. Thanks for listening to the Dad Up Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next weekly episode. While you're at it, leave a rating and review. And if you know someone this show can help, be sure to share it with them. Want to learn more? Check out the website at daduptribe.com or leave Brian a message on Instagram at daduppodcast.com.